Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Welcome to Minisode 153 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. Hello there. For date stamp purposes, 11.30am on a Sunday. How you doing? I'm okay, man. I'm alright. And you? I am not bad at all. Now, I was about to get straight into what you've been watching this week. Uh-huh. However, now I've got a couple of things to talk about, but not as many as I may have on an average week. And I kind of feel like you might be the same, and judging by our text correspondence this week, it might be for the same reason. Yeah, I kind of feel like certainly the evenings this week have been all about the build-up to the banquet of the Great British Menu. Yes, now it's weird that we've never talked about this before, but it took until finals week for us to realise that we have both been like pathologically watching every single episode of the BBC's Great British Menu yeah. for this entire season. This has been ongoing for a number of months, um, or a number of weeks, so I'm, uh, I'm quite surprised that it's taken us this long to uh, to get onto that subject, but... <laughs> We made up for lost time this week. A lot of uh, a lot of analysing. Yeah. A lot of post game. Uh huh. Yeah. By the way, you're not wrong in saying a couple of months because if you think about it, right, each region has two episodes and a judging section. So that's mm-hmm. three. There's eight of them. So then that's twenty four. Yeah. And then you've got like another two heats so i mean it's, and, it's weeks and weeks and weeks so you're probably not wrong in saying months yeah um but uh a f- fine piece of programming this is my third season of watching it religiously mm. uh very sad that it's gone but another fine fine effort i think all right yes lovely stuff lovely stuff and uh so much of it when i'm watching i'm just like oh i would eat that i would eat that i would eat that although i'm gonna say right now perhaps controversially maybe not I thought the judges got it wrong this season when they were kind of putting their, their dishes together for the banquet menu because the starter, the fish course, and the main course all featured heavily an egg. Yeah, uh, you highlighted this, and I do agree. Um, but I think that we should probably, <laughs> we should probably shouldn't dwell on this any further, seeing as this isn't a Great British Menu podcast. Uh, apart from that, what have you been watching of a more horror persuasion this week? Well, as we mentioned on last week's minisode, this week saw the release of Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. It did, on Friday, yeah. Yeah, on Netflix. And as you know, historically, not a big fan of Zack Snyder's films at all. No, now we did talk about this a little bit. We talked about the kind of like the general hype that's surrounding this coming out and stuff mm-hmm. like that last week and the fact that like a lot of people out there are quite justifiably pretty excited about it. All that's great. So we dug into that. I was deterred from watching this this weekend. Do you care to venture why that might have been? I'm going to say that it's probably due to the two and a half hour runtime. Yes, 148 minutes is too much, Zack Snyder, for my delicate palate. So I Mm. may do this another time, but I didn't do it this week. However, you did then. I did indeed. And do you know what? Don't mind telling you, my favourite Zack Snyder film since, guess what? Dawn of the Dead. Okay. Now, I know that considering your general opinion on Zack Snyder, that's probably a comparatively low bar, but still nice to hear. So what about this worked and didn't work for you? Uh, and just before you get into this, so this is basically like a zombie heist film, right? Yeah, that's right. So what we have here is there is a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas. Las Vegas is kind of cordoned off. And then ex-military man Dave Bautista is kind of roped in 
to go into the quarantine zone, if you like, and break into a vault under a casino to liberate $200 million. Okay. Yeah, so he puts this kind of ragtag team together, which features... I'm putting the team together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which features people like uh, Nora Anazeda from Maniac. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, really? Okay, cool. Yeah, and uh, Tignataro's in here, and Garrett Dillahunt as well. Oh, cool. Okay, I like him. Yeah, and uh, basically they just go in and uh, rip off all the plot beats to aliens. Okay. <laughs> and uh, try to get this money uh, while they're in amongst this, I guess it's a kind of variously thronging kind of hive of activity. There's a few things about this that bother me, not least of all the kind of Snyderisms that generally bother me, which is massive over-reliance on CG at points like that, massive over-reliance on CG at certain points, wild overuse of slow motion at times as well. Okay. That stuff's kind of to be expected. You kind of have to get on board with that the minute that you know you're getting into a Zack Snyder film. I suppose that's true, yeah. Um, But apart from that, I actually thought this was generally quite fun. Uh, Okay. I mean, it's blunt as fuck. It's as dumb as a bag of hammers, but I had quite a good time with it. (laughs) It really does rip aliens off quite a lot, certainly towards the end. But yeah, it's not not bad. I've got a lot of time for Dave Bautista, by the way. I think he's pretty good. I was going to mention joining uh, Janelle Monae and Leslie Odom Jr. and a couple of others in the cast and Knives Out too. It's been announced this week. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And by the way, if you're watching Army of the Dead, it's worth it entirely for the opening credits, which I have to say, it's a true delight to hear Richard Cheese again on a Zack Snyder zombie movie credits. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, cool. Okay, I must admit, this sounds like you've come out the other side of this, loosely at least, pleasantly surprised. Mm. Oh, another thing I do have to briefly mention, because this was my probably my biggest gripe with the whole film, okay. actually, and I, don't, I, I can't let it pass without mention. Now, in this film, you've kind of got your your slow-moving zombies, your traditional zombie guys. Like In this mm-hmm. film, I think they're referred to as shamblers. Right, but you also have <laughs> ones that are referred to as alphas. Now, these are faster, more intelligent, they're stronger, but they have this kind of organisational structure, kind of headed by like this king and queen character. That didn't really work for me at all. I don't know, it's, I don't want in the mix of fast and slow zombies. I feel like you make your bed. I don't like the fact that they're these hulking, strong things. Ugh, that just annoyed me a little bit i don't know um and the kind of queen she must have been a showgirl or something when she died because she's still got like this feathery kind of shoulder piece on and like a a headpiece and stuff like that but she's still got high heels on and i just (laughs) i just can't see a fast moving zombie queen wearing high heels i know i would say that they're probably a challenge to uh to walk with any speed in at the best of time yeah much much less uh as uh, one of the army of the dead yeah so what i would say is army of the dead set some time aside because you're going to need it because it's two and a half hours long there's some pretty decent gory stuff in here some pretty fun stuff some stuff that annoys me if you don't like Zack Snyder films this is going to rub you up the wrong way at certain points but I would say check it out there's some stuff to like in here I would say that's a reasonably kind of like a recommendation worth noting given as you generally identify as somebody who is not a huge fan of his films I would say that like that's probably this is probably the the most persuasive thing I've heard in terms of whether or not I'll check it out yeah because I, I really don't like his films almost at all in general no um, and like yeah that, and that kind of came at the fore when we did our episode on Sucker Punch uh, oh. despite the fact that oh, that oh. is one of the best defences of a film that I've ever heard on this show mm. I think that it's still fair to say that neither of us are massive Zack Snyder fans on paper so before we move on to my stuff now 
I think that a sensible bridge between those two things might be this week's episode of Inside Number 9, which mm. I'm going to hazard a guess that you also watched. I did indeed, Jess. Simon Says. Yes, so Series 6, Episode 2 of Inside Number 9, addressing, I think, in a sort of kind of like, in a way that definitely kind of like is more than a nod to Misery, mm-hmm. looks at the entire kind of phenomena of toxic fandoms and explores that issue in a really interesting way, I think. Uh, definitely this felt like, to me, it was supposed to be kind of at least loosely based on the ending a game of thrones which was largely 100 to a lot of people yeah. yeah but yeah basically you have this uh you have this author who is visited at his home by this kind of super fan who has some kind of like sensitive information so i would say and it turns into this kind of like uh almost like blackmail situation that widens out from there now mm-hmm. last week wuthering heist uh you liked it more than i did i, I have grown to only like it less the more time i've had to think about it in all honesty <laughs> okay right but you I, I know you had a little bit more time for it than i did where were you on this one i really liked it it felt like a return to the stuff i love best and inside number nine i like this as much as i disliked modern heist like this was about as convincing a turnaround from my point of view as you could get it was exactly like you're saying it's like it's back to the things that really like i mean i kind of i respect the, I, even the ones that i don't like i kind of like i'm glad are there i think mm-hmm. it's cool that they always try new things they don't shy away from trying really adventurous abstract things i don't hold it against them if they don't specifically work for me because i think that i would much rather like four out of six and the ones that i don't feel like they're taking artistic risks that i don't like sure okay mm-hmm. like I, I prefer that they're still taking those risks rather than me getting like two that i'm indifferent to you know what i mean got you yeah mm-hmm. however yeah this like this being like so much darker and so much more sinister and so much more to this kind of like delicate slow burn is so much more my speed i thought this was absolutely brilliant yeah yeah loved it loved it more of this please absolutely now i caught up with something that you saw quite a while back right uh this week again people who were uh listening to our streaming platforms roundup last week and people who have kind of like anywhere near horror twitter and stuff like that will be aware i'm sure that psycho gorman landed on twitter this week yes the latest offering from the void director steve kostansky he of astron six fame yeah and starring adam brooks also of astron six fame yes yes indeed the leading light in this film i would say actually adam brooks i did say that when i talked about it at the time i think i kind of waxed lyrical a little bit about how great i think adam brooks is in general and how genuinely hilarious he is Uh uh-huh i I think he's i think he's outstanding in this like i agree with you i think it's probably the best part of this now as an overall piece of work this was challenging to me there was no element of this film that i was indifferent to (laughs) okay Uh, i thought the creature effects were really fun i thought that the entire conceit was really funny Mm -hmm. i think that like yes especially kind of like as it moves on because obviously very quickly like see you've talked about it before but um it's about these two kids. It's a Luke and Mimi, right? Yeah, that's right. Who happen upon this otherworldly beast yeah. that they can control using this uh, this kind of like kind of amulet or stone. Is it the gem of Paraxidite? Uh, something like that, yeah. Um, so they kind of basically have him do things like as children fucking about with having direct control over unmarauding otherworldly hellbeast do, but also kind of summon all of these people from another galaxy to come and basically fight over him in suburbia. Yeah, I guess it's kind of his friend his foes they're all kind of amassing on earth to kind of get a part of the psycho gorman action yeah all this was great when the other creatures started showing up i was laughing a lot because the visuals are so fun oh i brilliant now you mentioned at the time you struggled with the character of mimi 
Yes, I did. I actually think she is the film's biggest damage. Potentially fatal for me, actually. Um, I had um, a conversation with Darren Gaskell about this. this okay. Week, who is a big fan of the film. And he said even as, he said that obviously her character is designed to be irksome to Psycho Gorman himself. Uh-huh. But it walks a very thin line between it being that and it being so annoying that it's alienating to the audience. I don't think that it walks that line very confidently at all. I actually kind of like really struggled any time she was on screen. Yeah, she is pretty unlikable. I actually found it to be like really. I like, I had to watch this in three settings <laughs> because I found found her so unwatchable. Oh I found the character so hard to engage with. But I don't want to come out the other side and say that I didn't like it because there's so much fun stuff in it. I don't like pulling one thread and being like, oh, it didn't work for me because of this one thing. But I really did have a fight on my hands with it, to be honest. I can get that. I I really like the film in general. But it is hard to reconcile that in my head with a character who I really do think damages the film. It's hard to kind of get that straight, like to take her out of the equation in my head and go, right, the rest of it is fun, it works, it's doing exactly, I think, what Kostansky set out for it to do. But then you have this character. Yeah, um, and that, that, was, that was a sticking point for me. However... Uh, lots of fun to be had with it and if you do want to check it out it is available on Shudder mm-hmm. now the other stuff that I did this week was very much of a theme now um, I've spoken a couple of times on the show recently about my uh, kind of anticipation for the release of Spiral from the book of Saw obviously mm-hmm. as a Glasgow resident who does not want to break COVID rules I still haven't seen it that's right um, for anyone who doesn't know Glasgow is still in tier 3 COVID we are the only place in Scotland that is still under tier 3 COVID restrictions in fact yes and that will be the case for at least one more week so mm-hmm. uh, cinemas remain closed and as a result despite me very briefly considering going rogue and going to Greenock to see it on Monday night <laughs> um, uh, I haven't seen it yet you're not and, supposed to be uh, travelling out of your own council area exactly and that's precisely why I didn't <laughs> good good. Uh, it was only very briefly that I talked with doing that but I thought you know what no I'm going to do my part so um so i stayed at home and instead i watched a couple of things that kind of qualified in my head as being kind of like saw consolation prizes um (laughs) okay with varying success so i watched a film called choose from 2011 which was on amazon prime choose as in make your selection yes not as in kind of like chew it as in dare i say it live or die make your choice what you have here is um a serial killer who before he kills people gives them some sort of gruesome choice Oh, okay. Like, uh, for instance, there was like a character who was a classical pianist, and his option was to have all his fingers chopped off or be deafened. Okay. So it's like you either can't play or you can't hear. No, um, is this the guy that you sent me the, the screenshot of? Uh, yes, with because uh, obviously he ends up with his fingers chopped off, but he also ends up dead, and that's why I don't understand the point or the significance of the choices. Hmm. Because mm-hmm. he gives them the choices, but then they die anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Because he's like, oh, do you want to lose your hearing or your ability to play music? And the guy's like, ah, fingers, I guess. And then he gets his fingers chopped off, but then he's dead as well. <laughs> so, like, it doesn't matter. So the choice like, might um, as well be, do you want to die or do you want to die? Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's just a question of, like, what unpleasant thing happens to you right before you die. This is basically, like, Saw without the moral imperative, which I think takes the air out of basically all of it. It shouldn't be called choose then. No, no. It should it's, just be it's, called it's, deal it's, with it. <laughs> it's just death. Like, um, like, yeah, I don't like this at all. Um, yeah, I thought it was garbage, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, like it's, uh, as it goes in and kind of delves deeper into the investigation and you find out who the killer is, the actual resolution is okay, but the road to it is just stunningly bland and inconsequential. Wow. Like, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't be doing with it. However, happier topics. I also watched The Call. Right, now this has Tobin Bell in it, which is why you have chosen it. Keenly observed, yes. Tobin Bell <laughs> is the star of this, alongside Lynn Shea. 
Um, who I like the fact that Lynchay keeps on appearing in things, and it very seldom feels kind of stunty. I think it will eventually, mm. but right now I kind of feel like it's still kind of like it's always a boost when she turns up in something. You're like, ah, good. Yeah, I, I like you know? her. And do you know what? I always forget that she was in like those Farrelly Brothers films, like there's something about Mary and Kingpin and all that, like back in the day. Oh, she's had a hell of a career. Yeah, yeah but um, but she's here as um a woman who is kind of like tormented by these kids or like these kind of teenagers. Uh, and ultimately, she takes her own life. Her husband in it is Tobin Bell. Right. Now, I watched this on Monday, and genuinely, Monday feels like a month ago. Right. Um, but what happens, basically, is there's a contrivance where these kids end up at this house. Okay. And Tobin Bell is unsurprised. Like, he uh, wants to play a game. Um, <laughs> and uh, the idea is... <laughs> yeah, as is his want. But yeah, he uh, basically sets them this challenge where if they can go upstairs, go to the end of the hall, pick up this phone and stay on the line for a minute, they can walk out of there with like, it's it's either a 100,000 or a million pounds. It's like, you know, a life-changing amount of money. Right, okay. Basically, and the contrivance is that uh, his wife was buried with a phone. <laughs> And when they pick up the phone, it's like, it's as if they're talking to her. Unsurprisingly, it's not a how-you-do-in check-in phone call. It kind of taps into their very primal fears, kind of tailored to the person, kind of zeroes back in on old traumas and things like that. Um, This conceit is really fun. And overall, I thought that, like, if you're willing to just kind of get on the train for the fact, you know, when he's, when he's like, oh, my wife was buried with a phone, I was like, that is exceptionally stupid please continue <laughs> like um, um, and i had i had a really i had a really good time with this actually i feel like the more it has to go beyond it just being this can see and it has to kind of kick itself into a story like mm-hmm. into the shape of a story it probably starts to derail a wee bit as it has to kind of like fashion itself into an ending but it kind of kicks off about at the start of the second act and the first act does a decent amount of heavy lifting with some perfectly strong kind of characters there's considering it's like no good punk kid teenagers who mm-hmm. are like causing trouble in the neighborhood. They, I think, are reasonably well fleshed out and all that kind of thing. None of them are unwatchable. Bad eggs. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, but like, I kind of feel like they've all individually fallen in with a bad crowd, and the bad crowd is all of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like this. But this was actually this is fine. Uh, I, I I thought it was pretty good. But yeah, that was the call which I caught on Now TV and Choose, which I watched on Amazon Prime. Lovely. Okay. Cool. So Andy. <laughs> yeah, nature yeah nature gone wild now let me tell you much this is going to be my penultimate week of doing a nature gone wild okay we need to get talking about side quests all right okay we do yeah because it's out now great white's out yeah i was going to mention that in feedback actually brought to our attention almost inevitably by film fans tv Yes, thank you, Stevie, for bringing that to my attention. It's available to rent, I believe, on all the, the kind of VOD platforms. I did say I was holding out for something a bit a bit more eventy, and it kind of feels a bit more like a kind of event film. Sure. Um, so I'm going to check out Great White next week, and that will be the closing film of this saga. However, this week I went on Amazon Prime, inevitably, and I watched Zombies. Zombies. <laughs> right, okay. I thought I had it for a second there. Zoo. Zombies, like zombies. Oh, zoo. Okay, because I was like, oh, zombie bees. Wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> no, 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 no. And then right, as okay. soon as I realised that was wrong, I was baffled. So, right. <laughs> really okay. fast bees, zombies. <laughs> I mean, bees are quite fast anyway. I mean, they'd have to be like bullets, I suppose, to be zombies. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, zombies. Zombies in a zoo. Are they uh, zombie zookeepers or zombie zoo animals? Funnily enough, it's a safari park, so... <laughs> Uh, oh. It feels like a bit of a. It feels like they've went safari park zombie animals is a terrible title. <laughs> Let's just go for the closest thing to a safari park, which is a zoo. 
Fine. Uh, and they've settled on that. Uh, this is this is pretty crap. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm not astonished by that revelation. No. By the way, fairness. not my only zombie animals of the week because there is a zombie horse and a zombie tiger in Army of the Dead. Okay. Right. Very much uh, of a theme, of a piece. Yeah, but uh, yeah, not great, not good at all. I, I would venture almost one of the worst things I've watched for this. Right, okay, that is damning at this stage. Yeah, so hopefully next week's is a bit more fun. That was Zombies. That that was actually a film that we've scuttered around a little bit when we were doing like the Wheel of Names in the past. Kind of having seen it, do you think that it was probably a little bit too miserable an experience to fit in the Wheel of Names? I'm glad we never drew it. I'm glad it didn't find its... Okay, uh, Cer- certifiable it dodged bullet. Yep, yeah, it, it didn't hit the top of the randomizer. I'm glad of that. Okay. Um, so just the one week left on Nature Gone Wild then. Wow. Mm, we'll have to put our heads together. Yeah, what a long, strange trip it's been. But yeah, yeah, we've got some serious questions to start asking. Let's figure that out this week and hopefully make an announcement on next week's minisode. Yeah, yeah. Just think of where I've been, though, Mitch. I've been bees. I've been mooses, meese, moose, mooses. It's weird that the plural isn't meese, but carry on. <laughs> I've been to spiders. I've been to other bugs. I've been to frogs. I've been to numerous crocodiles, alligators, sharks. <laughs> been all over the place. You've truly cast your nature net far and wide. Yes, and uh, most of what I've pulled back has been pretty bad. It sure has been. However, on at Pastors New very soon, and speaking ahead into Pastors New... Feedback time then. Now, just want to kick off this segment by saying thank you to everybody out there for their understanding about the uh, episode postponement on Friday. Thanks for all the nice messages about that. Obviously, there is no new film for there to be feedback about, but there is still a decent amount of stuff to get through this week. Yes. Now, I want to say a quick hello to Paul Downey on Twitter, uh, who got in touch about Children of the Corn 3 right at the beginning of the week, saying, great episode, guys. Considering checking this one out soon. Paul, speaking to somebody who had only seen the first film at the time, you could do a lot worse. I had a really good time with this. If you do check it out, of course let us know what you think yep again still don't get people not liking it yeah fair enjoyed it absolutely uh, i've got dan Popomatic here saying no new strong violent pc episode tomorrow so i'm watching extra so i can go all the way back to that episode instead it's quite something that was around episode 10 i think with rob morgan yeah it was i think we were possibly still in single figures way back with rob morgan for extra so hope you enjoyed that dan i think he did certainly i think it was an experience for him judging by his subsequent tweets but on the subject of uh, and this is always kind of fun in the unlikely events or the kind of rare occasion where we don't have an episode on a friday uh, people do often get in touch and let us know about what they've been watching what they've been digging back through from the Mm catalogue to keep themselves busy in the meantime and uh, I sent you over something from the Chud Locker that I thought you might be interested in that was kind of on a similar kick yes you did indeed Mitch because Chris Skelp got in touch yes (laughs) Diving into the weirdness that is Howard the Duck. Lovely. Okay. The subject of our first ever listener's choice yeah. uh, with Billy Kirkwood. I uh, broke my Howard Cherry last night and then listened to the superbly filthy and hilarious podcast conversation this morning. I think Amazon are clear on their stance on the are Howard and Beverly going to do it question. Check out the genres. So uh, he's also shared a picture here. The Amazon listen for Howard the Duck, which classifies Howard the Duck as science fiction, fair, comedy, arguable. Romance, <laughs> undeniable. <laughs> Amazon finally addressing it. Yeah, because they did. They did, and it's gross. It is fucking weird. Like, there's no two ways about it. I want to touch briefly on Microwave Massacre, which was the subject <laughs> of our latest Irredeemables episode on Patreon. 
Now, a few people out there were surprised to learn that um, we did not have the same reserve of hatred for uh, Microwave Massacre as many people out there seem to. Yeah. But a little bit of a spectrum of opinion coming in on the social media channels about Microwave Massacre. That's right, I've got a couple of things here. Laura Bynan saying, I shall dive in. Uh, wasn't this where Ron Mintz began? 2020 was a weird year indeed. I don't actually think it was where Ron Mintz began. I don't think we've ever done Microwave Massacre on Mitch's pitch image. I would have to think about which film it was. Because I couldn't remember, but that sounded plausible. I feel it was like Corpse Grinders or something like that. Oh, maybe then, yeah. Aha, okay. Also, Gorehounds saying, Hooray, I own this irredeemable. Uh, they don't make them like this anymore and he's shared a VHS copy of Microwave Massacre and an attached chud badge which is lovely to see no they certainly do not make films like Microwave Massacre anymore and I'm not entirely sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing I'll tell you what BK thinks on Twitter Uh, he thinks it's the most irritating film ever made I mean, it is annoying at points. Like, yeah, even as people who came up kind of like more kindly on it, like I still find that as an opinion quite hard to argue with. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Moving away from Microwave Massacre though, and on to more general things, want to just say a quick hello, actually, just a quick uh, Chudlocker roundup. I want to say hello to Gorehound again, actually, who um, recently watched Saint Maud with his mum. Oh right, okay. Uh, which did not go well, um, <laughs> but she has just newly forgiven him for that, and he capitalised on uh, kind of being back out with the doghouse by watching Joshua with her this week. Oh right, okay. So more to come when we're covering that one, but uh, that seemed to go over a little bit. I also want to say hello to Canel, who got in touch this week to let us know that what he suspects might be the worst film ever has landed on Amazon Prime. <laughs> okay. The Howling Seven. All right, okay. Uh, they legit just rocked up to some bullshit town and got whoever was available to play themselves apart from reused footage from previous movies now according to Canel's assessment of this there's no werewolf in this till the last 90 seconds and a lot of screen time is devoted to a subplot about an old guy fucking up the chilli that he's cooking there are also apparently 10 musical numbers all of which are country and western (laughs) I love that somewhere in the back of your head Mitch you're like how do I get my hands on this one? I immediately commented being like, fucking great, now I have to watch it. <laughs> uh, you got anything else before we move on? I do, I've got one more thing. Uh, slight humble brag here from our old pal Saltair Popcorn who's bagged himself a new car. Lovely, okay. Mod cons, Bluetooth, it's the new convenient way for me to ensure that I can hear my own podcast. Raiders of the podcast, very good. Uh, and the usual selection of strong violent PC chat. Yeah, baby! Uh, and then a photo of his uh, new car and its sound system. Kevin, happy new car day. And also, yeah, hopefully uh, both us and you are sounding good. Yeah. <laughs> I have just the one more thing before we move on. I want to say a quick hello to Andrew Barron, who, uh, much like myself, recently has become quite invested in the Stalked by My Doctor series. Right. Stalked by My Doctor is a series of films of which I believe there are now five. Holy shit. Starring Eric Roberts as, uh, almost inevitably starring Eric Roberts. Uh, Eric Roberts has 616 (laughs) film credits on IMDb and 42 of them were in 2020. What? I know. But yes, he has now been in, I believe, five of uh, the Stalked by My Doctor series. Uh, Stalked by My Doctor, Stalked by My Doctor, The Return. Fair, right, Um, makes sense. Stalked by The Doctor, Patient's Revenge. (laughs) Um, and a couple more but Andrew Barron has settled in and watched a couple of them and it's now become a kind of family activity which I love he tweeted saying settle down with my wife tonight for the third instalment in the Albert Beck saga stalked by my doctor Patient's Revenge follow me for more tips on how to keep a marriage fresh 
Wow, okay. Uh, these films are great, by the way. Uh, by great, I obviously mean terrible, but they uh, the first three are all on Amazon Prime and the fourth one is a rental. So oh. if you want to get on the Albert Beck train, then I would advise it. Is that Eric Roberts then, yeah? That is Eric Roberts' character, yes, I believe. Uh, yeah. Albert Beck. So uh, that's my lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once again, time then for Mitch's Pitches. Now, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by, from which he will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and left only the image. Mm-hmm. It'll fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and give it a title and a synopsis. Now, I did do that last week with The Clairvoyant. Yes, yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, reappropriated by me as Theatre of Shadows 2, Pirouettes and Kilouettes. Not my finest hour, but also not my worst. No, it's okay. No, I liked it. I like Kilouette. Ah, thanks very much. Um, a couple other people getting in touch. Um, usual suspects this week, i got to say. C.P. Buckley on Instagram. When lonely housewife Lena Cox finds herself trapped in a closet, she slowly goes mad. Found dead 14 days later by her husband Sean on his return from a business trip for Business Incorporated, he can't help but smile. Having grown tired of her constant nagging, he planned to leave her on his return anyway. Several weeks later, after her burial, he starts to hear her voice in the house. He invites his new girlfriend to stay the night and coming from the kitchen after cooking dinner, finds her skinned alive on the couch with Lena's ghost standing over her. Now Sean must escape the house and her vengeful spirit in 1990s cult-adjacent horror, Deadly Departed, Hell Hath No Fury. Ooh, okay. Strong title game. Yeah, yeah, I think. yeah that sounds like it could be on Amazon Prime. That sounds like it might have a Dr. Albert Beck. Definitely. Uh, Bill Carr, after using some cheap moisturiser bought online from a disreputable cosmetics company, Gillian Frontbottom wakes up one morning to find her entire body, except for her eyes and hands, have disappeared. Unable to eat, drink or stop crying, she dies of dehydration. Gloria Honorford makes her directorial debut in Eyes Without a Face and Hands Without Arms. <laughs> that sounds like an ordeal, that film, if it's just her dying in a cupboard. <laughs> Horrible business. Uh, Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter. A team of highly efficient non-verbal bank robbers are in the middle of a high-stakes heist when they discover that the money they're stealing is actually cursed with extreme bad luck. And they're not the only ones looking to take it. It's bad luck in balaclavas. Okay. James Rodriguez, after a monster helping at a buffet, radiation inspector Freddy Phantasm has the most troubling time on the toilet. When he's finished, Freddy is shocked to hear cries coming from the loo and discovers that his massive turd has big eyes and human hands with pretty red nails. He takes the creature out of the loo, intent on inspecting the abomination, but finds himself growing attached to it. It may look like a melted Mars bar, but he names it Winnie the Waste and grows to love it like a son. But society isn't ready for the bond between a man and his excrement offspring, putting Freddy and Winnie at risk. Get ready to bring tissues, as something will need wiping in 1972's Eyes Wide Shit. <laughs> James's pitches always make me feel incredibly uncomfortable. Uh-huh, he's got a way about him, doesn't he? Yeah. Kevin Matthews, to wrap things up, having read about the famous knitting patterns of her grand Pearl Vintishvun, stressed-out single mother Morgan Scarechild ends up creating a face-covering winter warmer that turns anyone who wears it into a child-threatening monster. If it's in a pattern in a knitting book, you can't get rid of the balaclava duke. (laughs) (laughs) That's your lot for this week. Uh, Best character name and best pitch, please. Uh, I think the best pitch is going to go to James. Fair for Eyes Wide Shake. Great title. And uh, Gillian Frontbottom. Okay, so James and Bill, this week's winners. Big well done to you guys. Well done, lads. So, uh, moving on to me then. Ready? Yeah, let's see what we got. It's with you now. Now. Okay, okay, let's have a wee look. Um, okay, there is no border to this image. The background is black. Mm-hmm. Uh, bottom half of the image is pure black, presumably where the title and tagline have been removed. The backdrop is um, a kind of like cityscape by moonlight. 
okay, yes, fair. Um, I would actually say it's also, um, it's like New York from a bygone era. I see what has drawn you to that conclusion. Yeah. In the foreground of the image, we have uh, some some kind of like some pavement or uh, some public right of way. Right. That has That is kind of like cracked in a very uneven pattern. We have also got a, what appears to be a ghost girl. Okay. Here, um, she's wearing a long sweeping white gown. Uh, appears to be bleeding from the mouth, has glowing white eyes and long, what I would venture is fairish or blonde hair. She's looking directly in camera and I think that there's a snake in there. You are correct, sir. Or yeah. some kind of reptilian creature of some kind. Um, because, yeah, in amongst the paving, it kind of appears to sort of look a little bit like snake skin and there's a glowing red eye, kind of like, she's kind of overlaid over what appears to be a snake's head inside profile mm-hmm. um, with a glowing red eye. So there you go. Glowing red-eyed snake looks on as does uh, Ghost Girl against a backdrop of a bygone New York. You know what? Yeah, that's all fine. Okay, great. Right, I'll need a minute. Yep, you got it. So, you know how a minute ago I uh, made all that fuss about it being from uh, being in New York? Yes, and I, I said, yeah, I know why you've done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go a different way and just set it somewhere completely different. <laughs> just another city. Yes, I have decided that that architecture is a coincidence and it's set somewhere else. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, that could just be two skyscrapers of approximate height near each other yep exactly i am choosing to interpret it that way and i'm extrapolating outwards well in a lot of ways to be honest (laughs) (laughs) that's fine (laughs) i got midway through putting this together and i was like ah fuck it can't be new york (laughs) so just suspend your disbelief on that one if you don't mind okay (laughs) i have something which immediately invalidates um, the new york thing Okay, go for it. In darkest Milan, the the residents of a prestigious cooking school are being picked off one by one by a mysterious black-gloved killer. Ooh, okay. Aspiring spaghettarian Massimo Donato is determined to unravel the mystery and decipher how it may relate to the death of a young female student years earlier in a horrific spiralizing accident. (laughs) With the students fleeing from the school in their droves for fear of being the killer's next victim, Massimo decides it's in for a penny, in for a pound, and stays at the school alone to solve the mystery. Will Massimo's increasing suspicion Macaroni less likely to kill again? Will a few silly murders be enough to close the school once and for all? All this and more will be revealed, or so it seems, in 1977's mind-bending supernatural Giallo Odyssey, Red Eyes on Crazy Paving, released in English-speaking territories as past a point of no return. Wow. (laughs) I see what you did there. You took what I did the other week with uh, fragrance, and you just tried to get as many pasta products in as possible. Yeah, uh, so what I did was um, I just I decided that I wanted it to be a giallo straight away for some reason. Uh-huh. Um, so I could give it a long, clumsy, but functional title. Mm-hmm. And then I just decided to cram in as many pasta and spaghetti puns as humanly possible. Yes, uh, that was that was my basic MO on that one. However, I'm going to hazard a guess that this is not a mind-bending supernatural giallo odyssey from 1977. I'm going to hazard a guess that it might be something different. It's not not a mind-bending supernatural giallo odyssey. Interesting. <laughs> Um, although the film itself is set in New York, you are not wrong with the Italian connection. Because wow, okay. What year did you say? 77. So it's 1982. Okay. The director, Lucio Fulci. Right. And the film, Manhattan Baby. Manhattan Baby. All right, okay. Uh, what's this about? And of course, more to the point, who's synopsizing? The synopsizer this week, returning triumphantly 
Han bär två amador. Ah, the prodigal son returns. What's he got? An archaeologist opens an Egyptian tomb and accidentally releases an evil spirit. His young daughter becomes possessed by the freed entity and upon arrival back in New York, the gory murders begin. Ooh, okay, you seen this? Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I had a feeling you might have any good. Um, it's not as worst by any means, but okay. um, yeah, it's it's absolutely possible. It's at a time where he was making, essentially making the, the best stuff of his career, really. Okay, so Sounds... Uh, it's up there with the better side of Filchie's work. Cool. Um, that concludes Mitch's pictures for this week. The images everywhere. I get the impression you probably can top that monstrosity that I just did, but if you want to, uh, get in touch across all the channels. Mm. Streaming platforms then. Few things worth noting incoming this week. Sky Cinema first then, and one that I think a lot of people are going to be really excited about on Tuesday 25th, Carl Holt's Benny Loves You. Oh yeah, yeah, former guest Carl Holt. The very same, a man trying desperately to grow up and leave his childhood behind finds that his beloved childhood toy Benny may not go quietly. If you think you're going to enjoy this, you definitely will. Yeah. Like, if this sounds appealing to you on paper, nothing about it in practice is going to put you off. Um, on Wednesday, also on Sky, uh, we have got Deep Murder. Oh, hello. A horror comedy. The set of a softcore porn film turns deadly when a mass killer begins picking off the stars and filmmakers one by one. Okay, okay. That feels kind of editor vibes right off the bat. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't considered that. Um, also, on Sunday the 30th, we have got Spell. While flying to his father's funeral in the rural Appalachia, an intense storm causes Marquise to lose control of his plane carrying himself and his family. He soon awakens wounded, alone, and trapped in Ms. Eloise's attic, where she claims she can nurse him back to health. Uh, Spell, that's called, you say? Yes, Spell. I expected something with a far stronger, either a far stronger kind of witchy vibe. Uh Uh-huh. Or something along the lines of a Saw-like film where people are forced into a deadly spelling bee. (laughs) (laughs) M-I-S-E-R-Y. Onwards to Shudder then, on Monday the 24th of May, more great catalogue titles incoming. This is really a kind of cool new thing that I'm noticing with Shudder, that mm. they're acquiring a lot of stuff from like the 60s and 70s. Yeah, yeah. It's really, I mean, I think that's that's the great thing about Shudder, is that it's given you a kind of, if you choose to kind of consume it all, you're getting a relatively well-rounded kind of horror education in there. Absolutely, and I think that after the episode that we did with Sam Zimmerman, kind of head of programming over there, I don't think that's entirely surprising. Yeah. But yeah, on Monday we've got, from 1965, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. Excellent. Five children stories are linked by the character of a strange fortune telling doctor who predicts the bizarre deaths of five fellow passengers on a train using a pack of tarot cards this stars peter cushing and christopher lee <laughs> and staying with christopher lee from 1963 mario bava's the whip and the body mm-hmm. a sadistic nobleman terrorizes his family but the relief that they feel upon his death is short-lived when his ghost continues the reign of terror now, on Thursday on Shudder as well, um, a real cracker, a kind of undiscovered gem from the festival circuit last year. Right. Um, Skull the Mask. All right, okay, now I heard about this, but I, ha- I haven't seen it. Yeah, it was one of those ones. Um, so I played at Fright Fest Digital in August, mm-hmm. and I just, like, I wasn't bothered either way about it on paper, but there was nothing else in that slot that particularly caught my eye. Um, so we just went for it, and uh, I thought it was great, actually. In this splatter-filled supernatural slasher, a pre-Columbian artifact contains the spirit of Anhanga, the executioner of a mythic god. Whoever wears the mask is possessed by Anhanga and compelled to commit sacrifices to resurrect the god. It's up to a museum assistant and a policewoman to stop the slaughter before the ritual is completed. Lovely. That sounds good. Yeah, it's really, really fun. Really fun. Um, On Netflix, a couple of things this week. On Wednesday the 26th, we've got Exorcist The Beginning. 
Oh, wow. Sent to Africa at the close of World War II to tend to the needs of the local community, Father Merrin gets more than he bargained for when he has his first brush with a devilish force known simply as Pazuzu. And also on Wednesday, Ghost Lab. <laughs> Which is sadly not about a ghost Labrador by the looks of it. After witnessing a haunting in their hospital, two doctors become dangerously obsessed with obtaining scientific proof that ghosts exist. Like, that sounds crap, right? <laughs> but uh, there was something about the glee in your face when you delivered the title of that film that just made my day. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> Spreading a little joy. Um, also on Friday on Netflix, got new episodes of Lucifer as well. All oh, right, okay. Wow. We must be. Where are we now? Season, it's got to be season six or seven. Or Five or six, I believe. Yeah, yeah. It's up there. But uh, yeah, if that's a thing, obviously that got resurrected by Netflix and uh, some new episodes land in there. So that's your lot for this week. Now, as a pick for the week, I am inclined to go with with uh, Benny Loves You here. I'm also going to go with Benny Loves You. Yeah, great fun. And uh, also, if you haven't checked it out before, we did an episode back in December on Silent Night, Deadly Night with Carl, uh, the writer, director and star of that film. He's a lovely guy and that was a really fun conversation. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So moving on then to this week's episode. No great suspense if you were listening last week and paying attention to the socials this week. We are literally just taking last week's episode, moving it out a week. So this Friday, it's Andy versus Mitch and we are still talking Joshua. Yeah, I tried to use the week to try and get Mitch to go for something else, but it was not to be. It has been met with a mixed reception so far from the people that have been watching it, but we'll get to that in the feedback next week. Um, <laughs> if you want to watch uh, Joshua, a.k.a. The Devil's Child, I have no idea why that's the alternative title. It's just about a kid that's an arsehole who's not possessed by Satan. Um, <laughs> but you can get it on Star on Disney+, Plus. but it's also a rental on uh, VOD in general as well. So a pretty accessible one, this. Uh, you're looking for Joshua starring Vera Farmiga and Sam Rockwell. Lovely. So we are back on Friday with that one. If you want to get in touch with Team Now and Then, loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet Strong Violent PC, email Scenes at gmail.com and join the conversation on our Facebook group, The Chud Locker. Yep, and patrons, I'm sure we'll have something else for you very, very soon. I can't promise it's going to live up to the lofty heights of greatness that Microwave Massacre no that's true but uh yeah we'll do our level best um loads of good stuff out and stuff so uh, the chances are if it's not this week it'll be next week definitely some new stuff coming your way very soon indeed mm-hmm. however back in your main feeds for andy versus mitch on friday we're talking joshua see you there in the meantime don't forget it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chats goodbye bye You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.